Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody. Welcome to the Ryan D. Leaf Show, the RDL show here on a Wednesday. Um, we're going to jump right into it because uh, your faithful host of this show uh, is checking off the uh, bucket list items uh, when you turn 45. Uh, I have a colonoscopy here in uh, an hour and 15 minutes, boys. So if I happen to just run off during the show, uh, everybody who has ever gone through this experience probably knows what I'm doing. It's the kind of the feeling that I think Gonzaga felt uh, Monday night, as did I. It was never a game. The boys won $100 each uh, for taking the field. I uh, ponied it up pretty quickly. I think I called the game with about eight minutes or ten minutes ago in the game that this one was over, and it was. It was a dominating performance. Myler, the Baylor Bears, uh, Coach Drew had them ready to roll. I, I couldn't believe how physical and how aggressive they were defensively from the start. I mean, it rattled Gonzaga to the point where they could not, they could not dribble the ball. Jalen Suggs getting two fouls early on in the game was harmful, but uh, they were just completely uh, outperformed on Monday night in, in the biggest game of the year for them. I mean – they held Gonzaga to one three-pointer in the first half. The second three for Gonzaga came with like 17 minutes left in the second half, which shows that it wasn't just their interior defense, which Baylor was touted on coming into this game, but it was their perimeter defense. Like you said, they're playing that 3-2 that zone, forcing the ball inside, and they were just bigger and more athletic than Gonzaga. They also kept the pace of play high and kept Gonzaga off balance. And I don't know. I know that it was a 10-point lead at halftime, it felt like Baylor was in control the entire way. It felt um, like it was. It felt like it was yeah. thirty points at halftime yeah. at ten. You know, it no, just they, they dominated from start to finish. They were. I don't think there's no team in the NCAA that could have beaten Baylor the way that they played. No, the no. Baylor was just by far the toughest team Gonzaga had seen all season, um, and it wasn't even close. The bigs matched up with Timmy so well and and prevented him from dominating. So it was just um, a great effort by I the Baylor. Also 
Timmy, Timmy's a great college player, but that's all he is. Like I agree completely. He's he a hype he man with a no- mustache. Like he's he's the enforcer of the team, but he's he's undersized for his position. He plays bigger than he actually is. And we saw it. He went up against grown men in the national yes. championship and he got worked. Well, also defensively, he got exposed because he yep. as their five, they kind of just switched on. They they switched everything. So every time a Baylor guard had the matchup with Timmy, they attacked and got an easy layup every single time. So that also shows that he was the defensive liability on the court as well. A big part of that, too, is Baylor has the rare luxury of having three quality centers as well. So if anybody got in foul trouble or whatever, they were swapping them out, keeping them fresh. And you're right. I mean, controlling Timmy. And we had said on Monday before the before the game on the show that the difference was going to be either Gonzaga gets out offensively and Baylor can't keep up or Baylor's defense is going to be the difference and shut him down. Charlie called out uh, the guard play and we were mentioning it uh, defensively and, and um, Baylor just absolutely dominant. 9-0 to begin, I think it was 11-1, then it was 29-10, dominant throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just they had no answer uh, for for what Baylor brought to the table. And, you know, what makes Timmy so good and why he's a great college player being undersized and is because of his footwork. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, footwork can only take you so far when you got the length of the Baylor Bears just extending and extending and extending. You know, it, it's he still looked very good when he got the ball inside and made them look foolish at times. Uh, Sky, great comparison. He just, that's the name I was looking for, Tyler Hansborough from UNC. Um, you know, Hansbro can shoot though. It's like it's like yeah. Hansbro in, inside, but Hansbro had a shot. Timmy can fill up from everywhere. No, we cannot. I disagree no, completely. He that, yeah, and I that know you do. he did it all year. He did not do it all year. He, he made layups all, all year. year. Jonathan and I are, are agreeing for once on something. Look at the go go back and watch the UCLA I, game. I'm, he scored from every position on the on the on the court. UCLA is one game in an that's entire year. Game. It's a pretty good I, game against a pretty good defense. Okay. They, UCLA, they that's went, like saying that UCLA is, was dominant the entire year because of how they played in that one game against Gonzaga. They were dominant all year, pretty dominant all year. They would have won no, the Pac-12 really. if they won the last three games. That's not all year. There's 30-plus games. You're talking about a, a, a tenth of what happened this season. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What did you just say? They, they, they were winning the Pac-12 until the last three games of the season. They were playing well. I don't think that they were. They weren't dominating. Yeah, I think there's a difference in playing well and dominating. Like Gonzaga if, if and they, Baylor were dominating. Twelve, I would agree with you, but they they lost bad games too. I can't tell. I, I, I still don't understand your point. My point is, is that you can't like. I don't think that Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy shot sixty five percent from the field this season, but. 58% of that's from inside the is inside the paint. Like he's not a stretch. He's a, he's he is a true big man who can space the floor pretty well for an undersized four. Ooh, especially and the NBA is a shooter's league now. And if he it's not him, we're not talking about the NBA, guys. We're talking about college basketball. No, I'm not talking about the NBA. Well, well I Charlie just, just referenced it. I don't understand what's no, what the referencing for that. That's what we were saying. I disagree with your point that Timmy is like a utility player. Timmy is a big body down low who can move his feet, but against bigger guys who just stand up like this, like we saw with Baylor, he, he's basically immobile. So Baylor was the only team this year that had that. I mean, if they went against Iowa and they put Luke Garza on him, I don't think he would have been that effective. I just don't think that they played teams with a bot. Honestly, Jaime Hawkins was a great matchup for him. 
Hawkins was a very similar playing style to Drew Timmy when they played against UCLA. So other than that, like they just haven't played teams who have had a, a, a four who could guard him. And a lot of teams also play zone. A lot of teams play zone. You know, they, you know that, you know, the guards, uh, Timmy matchup already happened this year, right? Yeah. yeah, and did didn't Iowa lost, didn't they? Iowa lost by like fifteen or twenty points. Gonzaga yeah. abused them. I mean, Garza's defense is it's okay. Crazy. It's okay. It's okay. You know, it, it's it's Christian Leitner esque too, right? Great college basketball player. To your point, probably not a great, not as good a shooter as Christian Leitner. He's a great college basketball player. This is Agreed. where it ends for him because Agreed. of his footwork. Yep. Agreed. He filled it up all year long for that team, though. He was there. He was there. Their guy. You know, a team that went thirty and zero up to, up until they got beat by a better team. Finally, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, can Gonzaga ever win a national championship, or will they always run into a better team because of the lack of competition they play during the year? I we mean, talked about well, this. On, we talked about this on Monday. I do think they can win it. Uh, it's going to be interesting though, because until they hit the tournament, we talked about it on Monday. Until they hit the tournament, they're not playing. Uh, adequate competition for the most part. So once they get into the tournament, they, tournament they start playing better competition. Then getting into the elite eight, the final four, whatever you're playing, literally the best teams in the country. And obviously they got all the way to the finish line. But we saw, look, Baylor didn't just have their best night of the season. They had been playing similarly all season long. And I had mentioned also that th- their two losses came during a, a stretch of COVID situation. So Baylor could have also been undefeated, which it maybe it, it wouldn't have been as Gonzaga dominant conversation if Baylor had come in undefeated as well. And I think their two losses were a bit false when they had happened. So sure they could, but I, I do think it's going to be tough. They need they they what they need is they need they need bench they need big boys off the bench and they don't have that, right? Like JP makes a really good point here. The starting lineup can match up with the biggest and the baddest for the most part, because then you have a guy in Jalen Suggs, who's basically just Jason Kidd in college, minus the consistent three-point shots that Jalen Suggs shot great in the tournament. Regular season was not a great three-point shooter. And that's a big knock for him from NBA scouts. Um, but they but they need guys off the bench who can come in and be big and play big, not necessarily just guards that can shoot, because that's mostly what they have. And, and that's been the biggest problem for Gonzaga over the last four, five, six seasons is the depth just isn't there down low. Well, also, this is this was the most talented Mark Few Gonzaga team ever, um, dominating the whole season. And still, there was another team that was better than them. So, I want to say that, that that Gonzaga will win a, a championship one day. But I just think there's always going to be that other team that is playing dominant ball as well. That that when Gonzaga and them go head to head, it'll just be a mismatch. Now that being said, this run to the championship, and yes, they lost, but they were dominant up until that game will obviously help with recruiting long-term, right? I mean, this is going to yeah. help further cement they don't Gonzaga. Have a problem with recruiting, though. Like, so Andrew Well, Craig but is further, though, I mean, like, they're, they're, they could potentially, sure. you know, steal steal some Pac-12 But love it's going to help Baylor. It's you know, going to help UCLA. Schools. It's going to help you. It's going to help all the teams that, that, that made a run in the in the, in the March Madness. Yeah, but I, I think Gonzaga needs – I think Gonzaga would benefit the most from the help that it could get them because of where they're at currently. But the problem is that they're losing the biggest piece in Jalen Suggs. They're losing. They're losing Suggs and Kispert. Kispert and Kispert, who was the W West Coast Conference Player of the Year. I was going to say but, he was kind of the 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 underrated, you know. But Gonzaga is always going to be able to recruit well because they're always going to get to the tournament, and all these guys want to be on the national stage to, to show what they can do to get to the next level. That's why they're always going to recruit well. It well, they, doesn't matter if they're in the Pac-12 or if they're in the West Coast Conference or if they're in the Sun Belt. Like it just it, they're going to recruit the same because that's how the program is run. 
I actually think it's more beneficial for them to be in the West Coast Conference for recruiting because it gives these players are the, the stats are so inflated that when you get to the tournament and then you actually go and play good basketball for six, seven straight games and win a national championship mm-hmm. or get to the national championship, like that's when NBA scouts are like, okay, like Jaime Hawkes, you are now a potential first round pick because of what you did at UCLA. Same with Gonzaga. And that's the attraction of Gonzaga every year. I think Gonzaga, like, recruiting is super important, but they also land a ton of transfers. Like, Kyle Wilcher from Kentucky a couple of years back dominated for Gonzaga. They got Nigel Williams-Goss, took him to a national championship, and now they're the the leaders to land five-star center from North Carolina, Walker Kessler. So yep. um, that's that's just a huge part of the game right now that'll, that'll um, help Gonzaga in the long run. Is, is Gonzaga going to be the favorite coming in next year? No. Yeah. No. They will not. There's too, too much turnover in the in the like like Sean Farnham talked to us about the the portal is loaded. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what turnover is going to look like for a while right now, but they're going to be good. I mean, they're going to win the conference. Uh, we'll see what their non-conference looks like at the beginning of the season and how well they play. You know, it's hard to argue that the two best teams um, faced off against each other for the national championship on Monday night, and the one playing better basketball right now uh the Baylor Bears won and and you know I'm glad that they did you know I I would have liked to seen a more competitive but you know a lot more a lot of people are talking about the disappointment in Gonzaga rather than the utter dominance of Baylor and how well they played I mean they just hit buckets they rained from three they got to the they got to the the glass all night long the defense was amazing every time there was a bit of a run by Gonzaga you know, Coach Drew took a timeout, put us, you know, put a kibosh on that, and they answered back quickly and um, and, and and dominantly. And then the question that we started out on this: Can Gonzaga ever win a title in the West Coast Conference? My my fear is that the level of competition after they play a difficult non-conference and they build up all these quad one type of wins and things like that, they go and never play a quad one type of game the rest of the year is it is it ever going to fill you know fill them with the comp- competitive nature well it clearly did they they got through the tournament when it crunch time came against UCLA in a game they figured found a way to win it Jonathan made a great point on Monday about how that game was going to take a, a toll on them and and they they just looked yeah they looked a, a, a speed less than Baylor on yeah. and, and it, you know Baylor dominated against Houston didn't have to play a lot of their starters or a lot of their main guys late that game in that was game over at halftime. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they were up by 25 points at halftime in that game on Saturday. So a lot of those guys were fresh. These guys had to play overtime, uh, you know, double overtime. And, you know, it was – they were just – they were a tired bunch, and you could see it from the jump. Yeah. Brian, Brian, the most dominating stat of the entire game for me is 16 offensive rebounds for Baylor to five yeah. For Gonzaga, all those second it, it happened in the first three minutes. They got like four or five yeah. offensive rebounds and got outscored shots. 38, yeah. 38 to 22. Oh. Baylor, Hi, what was the, the bench differential while you have those stats up? I can do they have it? I'll get to it. Okay, nope, I, 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 I think that, that's the big deal. That's the big thing for Gonzaga. They have a bunch of guards off the bench, they don't really have anybody big. And that's that's what they need. Yeah, Baylor's got Matthew Meyer, who's basically like a six nine guard who can shoot, defend, and drive, and he's just such a mismatch. Bryce Drew is Bryce Drew is amazing at 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 uh, bringing in athletes that he then turns into basketball players. Bryce Drew that's or Scott Drew? Scott Drew. Bryce Drew's at Valparaiso. Sorry, the no, brother. No, Bryce Bryce Drew's at Grand Canyon University, actually. Wait, when did 
did he move from Valpo? He went from Valpo to Vanderbilt, got fired from Vanderbilt, and yeah, was Jerry Grand- Stackhouse and was at, no, you're uh, right, you're right. was at Grand Canyon this year and made the tournament. We just lost our four viewers. Oh, you guys, you're right. We got two more. We have six now. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, NCAA tourney's over. Uh, congratulations to what was it, Bob Saget, man. <laughs> the man, man Bob, Bob Saget. Saget. The man Bob Congratulations. Saget. The man Bob Saget for Took winning the, the RDL bracket buster. Our boy Sky uh would have finished, I think, second, right, Sky? Almost Bob. I was right behind you, Bob. 30 points. 30 points. Well, now you got some uh um now what do you want? You know, Bob Saget, man, man Bob Saget, whatever. What do you want now? Uh do you want some Sunfair? Well, if you do. <laughs> Go to sunfair.com, all right, and uh, sign up for your own personalized delivered healthy meals. I haven't been able to eat food since Monday night, people. Yeah, so me talking about this, this, this is there's an anger in me right now uh, that is fueling. Thank you for putting up those pictures because now I understand what I'm doing for. Though I've lost freaking 12 pounds in the last you know 48 hours because of colonoscopy prep. So I haven't eaten my Sunfair the last two days. I'm going to tomorrow. Don't get me wrong. Go to sunfair.com. Uh, fill out all your information. Pick Carl Farrow as your sales representative. Pick the RDL show as to how you heard about it. You'll get 10% off your first order. Your food delivered right to your doorstep. Fresh, uh, you know, cooked food every morning. It's delicious. I know what I know what my Thursday meals are. My Thursday meal is a turkey bacon burger for lunch and then like this these apple fritter bites for snacks and then dinner guys is a eight ounce uh filet mignon with uh uh with blue cheese on it so i am i'm excited for for tomorrow yeah, because uh for your colonoscopy is the are the sunfair meals that you're waiting for tomorrow i well hopefully you know hopefully they get me through it all i know is that i'm going to show up and then you get knocked out and then you get your you know, you get anally probed and then you move on. You know, that's just the way we're the world we're living in. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, I'm trying to think of what I should watch on TV tonight when I get home, and I'm just going to be laying around in bed for. Should we should we cut that for our post prod playback? And you know, Ryan Leaf on the RDL show describes how anally probed. Works. Yeah, he, he describes how he discusses in depth how a colonoscopy goes down. Two well, words. I don't know how Two it words. goes down. I've been told. Health but a buddy wealth, of mine, man. a buddy of mine, Adam Bolin, who 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 you know hooks us up with Sweat Taylor, who, who's looking to be a sponsor of the show. Uh, I was talking to him today, and he's up, he's up pitching, uh, trying to close out um, final round of funding for for the company. And uh, and I said, well, hey, I got to go to work. I got to do prep for the RDL show, and then I got to go get anally probed. And there was just a there was just a a, a long wait before his answer back. He's like. I am dying right now. I had, I did not have a response for that, you know, and I don't know who does. I mean, do you think that when Sunfair was writing up our contract that they had this in mind for the segment for when you plug them? Because that's exactly what just happened. Well, I can tell you guys this. Everybody who went through this process has told me how excru- excruciating the prep is. Like, you know, you have to drink the, the fluid and the, the laxatives and you just you spend the, the day on the toilet. Because I'm eating such clean food and I have been for the last six months, like, like the excavation of my body was not, you know, this is way too much information, people, but that's oh what you get on the RDL goodness. show. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal the last, last day and a half, you know? 
proud of you. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that your bowel movements have been above and beyond. It's been great. Sunfair.com, people. You'll you'll take good shits. All right. That's that's the the tagline right there. All right. Good shits. Personalized, delivered, healthy meals that'll give you good shits. That's that's what that's how we deliver here on the RDL show. All righty. So as we were going off the air on Monday, of course, uh, we were in overtime with Sean Farnham. And breaking news around the NFL, right? The the big trade uh, from the New York Jets, Sam Darnold traded to the Carolina Panthers. And I, I've, you know, I, I hosted SiriusXM NFL radio last night. And I've been doing a bunch of radio hits, you know, discussing this trade. And everybody asked, well, who won? Well, one thing is like, you can't really figure out a winner when you're traded draft picks because you don't know who who's drafted with those draft picks and how they be, you know, this, you don't really find out who the winner is till late, but if, if you wanted to take away a winner from this, this trade, all three, Sam Darnold, New York jets, Carolina Panthers. I think everybody won through I this agree. process. All right. The jets, they were just in limbo. They have a, a general manager who's finally kind of trying to put his stamp on this team. He did not draft Sam Darnold. Uh, Robert Sala, a new head coach is in town. The city wants a rebirth. Sam Darnold is, is, is this this almost like a lame duck. Would do you play him in his fourth year, not pick up his fifth year option? Is he like Mitchell Trubisky? It's just it, it, it was it had to happen. Okay, it just was a matter of who, when, and where. Carolina gets a 23 year old, three year veteran quarterback in the NFL under Joe Brady. That for me is a huge uh, huge win for Carolina and for Sam Darnold. He gets a new place to start over. He gets to get out of the shadow uh, and, and slime of Adam Gase. I, I'm going to liken it a lot to what Ryan Tannehill was able to do when he got to Tennessee. I really am. Uh, you get out of the, the clutches of Adam Gase and his – I don't know. I've never seen a guy get more advantages because Peyton Manning said he was a, a good play caller when everybody knows that Peyton Manning called every play when he was at Denver. Adam Gase just stood by and nodded a little bit as they went on to win another Super Bowl. And he had, he, he turned that into, uh, you know, two head coaching jobs where he was subpar. And he ruined good rookie young quarterbacks during the process, Sam Darnold and Ryan Tannehill, who are both going to flourish, I believe, moving forward outside of his, his clutches. So I think all three represented in this trade win. Uh, they get to stay. Carolina gets to stay at eight. New York's going to stay at two and most likely take a quarterback. That's the question of the day here, boys. Question of the day, who do the Jets draft at number two overall? I think the consensus is it's Zach Wilson. Um, I said something on NFL radio last night that don't be surprised, people, if Justin Fields goes number two overall, okay? Don't be surprised if that that happens. There's a reason why there's not a bunch of hoopla around him right now, just like a lot of hoopla is not around Trevor Lawrence because we already know what's happening with Trevor. He's going one. Maybe it's being downplayed and undersold a little bit because the Jets uh, really like Justin Fields. And guess what? I think he would be a fit really well there in, in New York. We'll see how it plays out. But your guys' thoughts on the trade for Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers on Monday. I like to see what Sam Darnold's going to do in that system. I like the coaching staff there. Um, I think that he's better than Teddy Bridgewater is from just a fundamental quarterback standpoint. He's a pro-style Teddy Bridgewater is more of a dual threat. Um, and I think that it's going to – I'm look, that team needs to be able to get the ball to their receivers, and they haven't really been able to do that. Um, and they have some some pretty solid guys. Like, I love Robbie Anderson. He's a blind, he's blinding fast. 
uh, out of that. What is it? He's in the Wyatt position, right? Out of, in, as a receiver, they have a guy who can throw him the ball now downfield. I, I love it. And I think for Sam, getting out of New York was the best thing ever. Uh, North Carolina is a bit different than growing up in L.A. and moving to New York, but I think it's going to fit him well. I agree. I also think that, um, you know, having a, having a run game, having somebody like Christian McCaffrey by your side to not only run the ball, but also be that dump off extraordinaire uh, back healthy this year, hopefully is tremendously going to help Sam Donald. He has had a number of names, Le'Veon Bell, Frank Gore uh, in New York, but not, you know, dominant run schemes. We talked about Adam Gase already, not many weapons around him either. And as you mentioned, a new young, um, passing game that shows successful last year with Teddy Bridgewater, who I don't think is a terrible quarterback, but I don't think he's a, a game changer. And I think Sam Donald still has the opportunity to do that. Sam here in our chat did mention that he's still younger than Joe Burrow. Um, and he's got a lot, uh, a lot of upside, uh, quick couple numbers here since 2016, the Panthers as a franchise have not thrown more than 29 touchdown passes, 21, 22, 28, 17, and 16 as a team over the last five years. I think Sam Darnold could throw 25 30 uh, if he ends up taking this job. And I do expect him to be a uh, upgrade eventually. Um, it's just a big question. What's going to happen with, with uh, Teddy? We were talking about it before we went on air. What are we going to do with Teddy? And uh, would they actually. No, one, no one's commenting on my little brother's uh, um, antics here. <laughs> he, ju- he, just, he just sent it. He just sent it. Sorry, Sky. So I took. I took so, sorry to interrupt, Sky, but I took my brother to the Masters a few years back. And uh, and it was during the Bernie Sanders campaign, right? And so when Ern when Ernie came up, uh, that's what he would yell. He would scream out at the top of his lungs at the Masters, "Everybody, you feel the Ern!" <laughs> and it was the it was it was it was the uh, Masters where Ernie L's on on hole number one uh, um, saw snakes. Remember when he had snakes in his head and he and he like eight putted from four feet. Right there at the one first yeah, hole. Yeah, we were perfect transition from Sam Darnold, who who who's seeing ghosts that one game. So uh, I thought that that was perfect. Yeah, that's the little brother. He's got that's a handsome mustache he's got going. Yeah, there. I was about to, uh, I was about to say your, your little bro's got a nice stash going there. He's the actor, right? Well, that's an actor. Yeah, he's guy. the yeah. he's the he's that's one of his. I think that's one of his headshots he's using. So he has. He's been a, a loyal uh, watcher and listener of the show. Always asking how it's going. Um. I, I suspect that uh, – I don't know what's going to happen with Teddy Two Gloves. That's the question, right? He's, he's guaranteed $10 million. They paid him $63 million, guys. Yikes. You forget Yikes. That, that, that contract that he got a year ago. Now, he's guaranteed $10 million this year. Uh, if they cut him, it's, you know, it's $10 million. If he stays in – he's a $17 million backup. Um, Sam's going to make uh, – they picked up his fifth-year option. Sam's going to make 975000 this year, so – that will be an interesting conversation in that quarterback room. How much you making, Teddy? Oh, 17. What are you making? Oh, just under a mil. Yeah. And, and he's the starting quarterback. <laughs> now, the, the options about for $22, 23000000 million. So ultimately, two years, Sam Darnold, right around $24, 25000000 million for the two years. It's a pretty good deal for the Carolina Panthers, I feel, if they uh, get a franchise quarterback out of the deal. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people kind of mentioning too that this is either uh, this is either an L for Carolina bringing in Sam Darnold over Teddy or at least a lateral move, and I disagree. Teddy Bridgewater had 3,700 yards last year, 15 touchdowns, 11 picks. Sam Darnold had nine touchdowns and 11 picks. But again, you think about the team surrounding him, um, and I 
I just don't see it. And the defense is, frankly, in the divisions that he's playing as well. Sam Darnold had some injury issues last year as well. I think it's a, it's a significant upgrade. We'll see what happens in year one. Obviously, new scheme, new coaches, new players, whatever. Um, that's seem always a, a, seem, a you crap seem a little bit, little bit like a Sam Darnold apologist, a little bit. No, yeah. I don't know about apologists. I've never been never been a, a Sam Darnold hater. Honestly, I wanted. We were talking earlier about this whole Jimmy G 49ers thing, and obviously it's it's out now, but I've been saying for quite a while that I would have loved for the Niners to bring in Sam Darnold. Frankly, it would have been a lot cheaper than the number three pick, and I think he would have either been good behind Jimmy for a year or would have been able to take over in the Shanahan offense. So I'm, I like the trade overall, and I think Sam Darnold's going to be fine. I think on all three ends, like we talked about, uh, it, it, it works out. For the scene doesn't matter who the jets draft the franchise is cursed sanchez go sanchez goes from back-to-back afc championships to the butt fumble <laughs> see I, I i said that earlier today it's there's a systemic problem in new york because you do he goes to consecutive afc championships and anybody only thing anybody remembers uh mark sanchez about is the damn butt fumble you know it's it's crazy caricature that that ex, you know and you got to remember who you draft has got to be able to deal with the with the New York media, the pressure, the cooker that comes. It's different than any any other uh, NFL franchise. Isn't um, it? Isn't it crazy, Ryan, that you say that and it's so true? And yet, New York Athletics, outside of the Yankees, is abysmal year year to year now. Like this is a city that was so dominant for so long before my generation. I don't remember when the Knicks were a dominant powerhouse in the NBA. I don't remember when the Jets were fantastic. I mean, I guess it back-to-back games, but I was like a little, that was like at the beginning of my tenure as an NFL fan, right? Like in, in my, in the heyday of my fandom and my sports media ship, I've never seen a New York franchise be successful outside the Yankees. And that's with all of the, pre- like what, what is it about New York right now that makes it such a hard market to win in? I mean, Jonathan, you're older than me, and I remember two giant Super Bowls, so I don't know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, okay, but they, they play in New Jersey, so. So does the Jets. <laughs> well, the Jets yeah. the same stadium. Yeah, I mean, you, you could you could wrap in Buffalo last year as well into the New York, if you will. Um, I, I, no, I you agree, can. man. You it, can't do that. How, much of that, how much of that, Ryan, and you talk about the quarterbacks, obviously, and handling the New York media and whatever, and Eli did such a great job basically by just staying away from it, frankly. Um, how much of that is also, I mean, upstairs, right? That's that's the head coaching. They have not had consistent coaches forever. I mean, people are not there more than two or three years, and that's hard for a general, any player on the team, the franchise overall, to to have any sort of camaraderie and, and consistency. No, it's it's a problem, and it's going to be continue to be a problem. I don't care what quarterback they draft. To be honest with you, I don't. This, you know, unfortunately, uh, when you get drafted to certain teams. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem. I, Joe, I love Joe Burrow. I just don't know if the Cincinnati Bengals are ever going to be anything and he's going to be the, you know, the Heisman trophy version, winning version of Carson Palmer there. I think, you know, he's going to be great. Mm. He's going to be a great quarterback. They're going to have runs, maybe get to the playoffs, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's Cincinnati and it's a systemic problem, just like the New York jets. And it's going to continue to be Zach Wilson. If he goes there, Justin Fields, you know, they may be able to do a few things, but we're going to be talking about a new head coach, you know, Four or five years from now, and a new quarterback probably four or five years from now. Are you just, more happy going to Jacksonville or to New York as a quarterback in this draft? Neither. You know, unfortunately, yeah. these uh, quarterbacks go to you know bad football teams. Um, so you, you got to love what San Francisco did, you know, and, and moving up. So whoever gets a chance, you know, 
I bet you Justin Fields in his mind is like, yeah, please let me keep falling. And the 49ers know what they got in me, and, and I, I can go there at three. And it's a different different story. Trey Lance, possibly. You know, Mac Jones, of course. Um, you know, it's going to be tough sailing. It's going to be tough sailing for, for both um, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, uh, the teams that go one and two. I got the question asked me last night. Here's a good question. Who did the Jets draft? At number two, that's our question of the day. Um, you know, what What? Uh, what are the expectations for these teams next year? For Carolina, yeah. I thought could be a team uh, with Sam Darnold now that could, could vie for number two spot in the in the NFC South with a lot of unknowns in Atlanta and a lot of unknowns in New Orleans. Uh, when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, I suspect, um, you know, they may have – they may be able to cross off a couple wins – versus the Houston Texans because that's such a that's such a shit show and it will be next year. I, I expect the Houston Texas Texans to be the ones drafting number one overall next year. Um, but you got the Indianapolis Colts and you got the Tennessee Titans in that division. And so, you know, Jacksonville's gonna be in a tough spot. The Jets gonna be in a tough spot. They got to deal with a resurgent New England team, I think. You know, Buffalo, which is gonna reign supreme there. And and Miami goes ten and six a year ago with a rookie quarterback flubbing along, you know, so it's going to be tough sledding for both of these franchises with their rookie quarterbacks. They're going to be ready. Urban Meyer has got to be ready for the first time in his life to finish a season under 500. And it's, it could be significantly lower than, than, than under 500. So Ryan, the, the overall question of the day, once again, who do the jets draft at number two? So chime into the comment section to help us out with that. But Ryan, I'll just throw one back at you really quick. Let's talk about the Panthers at number eight. Uh, they don't need a quarterback. They have two as of now. Uh, they just they just traded for one. What do the Panthers do at eight? Now? Uh, I think what what do they need to improve on? What were they bad at last year? Defense, Lots. right? So <laughs> so they need to they need to offensively they were pretty darn good. You know they 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 were in football games. They lost games down the stretch. Yeah, uh, and uh, and they didn't have McCaffrey um, most of the season. And they didn't have McCaffrey, but just it's same thing. You know the guy that they replaced him with had similar numbers to McCaffrey. <laughs> So don't go, don't pay running backs. People continue. Don't pay running backs. Um, this team for me is, like I said, is gonna, I think should vie for the number two spot in that division. Now I Tampa Bay's far and away the best team. They return everybody to that roster. They're going to add some pieces in the draft. They're going to get better. Tom's going to get better. Uh, there's going to be more of a relationship built between him and his wide receivers. This team's going to be, uh, I can't believe they're not the favorite. Uh, Kansas city is still the favorite by a slim margin, but, uh, the dominant performance in that Super Bowl should have edged them in that different direction there. So I, I think they're going to vie for the number two spot. We have no idea what Jameis Winston and New Orleans Saints are going to look like. Uh, and, and we definitely don't know what uh, a new look Arthur Smith run uh, Atlanta Falcons team is going to look like. They have to improve tremendously defensively as well. So that's what I expect from from those teams. Um, one of our one of our beloved uh, viewers and followers subscribers rob berger um tweeted out last night that he got his first order of athletic brew and uh um but apparently rob you didn't use the link okay uh because um rdl show didn't get credit for that not 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 to you know hold you over the fire or anything i hope you're enjoying it athleticbrew.com everybody non-alcoholic brews from light beer to ipas everything if you don't like the consequences uh, but love the great taste go to athleticbrew.com there we go upside dawn right there for uh mr sky guasco uh you know drinking and 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 doing a show 
Everybody. Hey, it's almost. It. It's it's noon somewhere, right? That's noon where you're at. Yes. Exactly. Na- yeah. Count it. So it's noon pretty much everywhere. Yes, guy. Not where I am, but on the west coast, it's noon. Perfect. Five o'clock where Chuck is. Well, it, I mean, Chuck, Chuck, it's it's way past noon. Okay, I think almost. that's his point. You don't go. You only can drink at noon, but not at like three in the afternoon. We've done a great job on these ad reads today, guys. We went from colonoscopy to uh, now we're talking about drinking at noon on the show. Day drinking on the show, uh, athletic brew, and uh, none of the consequences, right? I'm allergic to it, right? I break out in handcuffs. Brew without compromise, people. Shop now. If you order uh, and use the link below, uh, you'll get 10% off your first uh, delivery of two six-packs or more. Get on it now. Athletic brew. Dot com. All right, Rob said he's going to get on that. Good, good, good for good for that, buddy. You know, we need to get we need to get Charlie uh, Moss uh, paid so he can pay back his dad Randy for whatever. You know, Dad, I'll pay you back. Don't worry. Yeah, Dad, will pay you back. He just got a hundred sure bucks Venmo to him. So I'm sure he's in debt to Indiana University. So all three of them have a hundred dollars just Venmo to him. They're they're rolling in it right now. Thank you, um, Mr. Boss man. Yeah. Um, A's for my gas for my softball game today. NFL draft, right? Uh, three quarterbacks probably going. Uh, one, two, three. I think it's happened a couple times before. There's a good possibility uh, live in Cleveland, right? Um, good chance four. And there's a possibility with what the Bengals will do at five that we could see five quarterbacks go. Uh, in the first five picks. And wouldn't that be absolutely um, dominating in what the NFL has become? And it's about just, a, it's about the quarterback period. It, and it is. Um, that realistically can happen. The Atlanta Falcons have to make a decision at number four, whether or not they want to draft a quarterback to, to ultimately take over for Matt Ryan. Arthur Smith has been out publicly saying he feels like, um, uh, I, I feel like um, that, that Matt Ryan can play through his contract, which is two more years. Is that worth taking a guy at four? Uh, if it's Trey Lance, I think it is. But it's going to be up to the team and the general manager whether or not. And if they are not going to draft a quarterback, I recommend they they bundle a trade together and move back where they know they can get a guy that they would have taken at four, which I assume is a defensive player, uh, the likes of Micah Parsons or an edge rusher or something like that, because they need to improve defensively. Offensively, they have weapons. Matt Ryan still looked great, and I think he's going to be really good in Arthur Smith's offense, like Ryan Tannehill was the last two years. Uh, very similar to, to what Kyle Shanahan's offense looked like with, with Matt Ryan. People forget, too, the year after Kyle Shanahan left, um, Steve Sarkeesian's offense and Matt Ryan broke the records that he broke the year before with Kyle Shanahan, mm-hmm. right? Sarkeesian was kind of the scapegoat in all this. We all know that Dan Quinn, a defensive-minded guy, let that defense really fall by the wayside. That's why he's not there anymore so that's the decision that needs to be made i think they they either take one or they trade out of that and a quarterback's taken at four therefore you have the Bengals at five do they take the best they'll they'll get they'll get the chance to take the best possible football player at that point they'll be the first one who's not picking a quarterback do they take kyle pitts at five do they take panay sewell or another offensive lineman or do they do what seemingly feels like the fans all want them to do is take Jamar Chase, a wide receiver? Or do they know that they can get an offensive lineman to help solidify Joe Burrow's backside and frontside uh, a little bit later? And they move back and trade up. And there you go. A fifth quarterback is taken in the first five picks. Crazy. Who knows? 
Why it could would be they take a quarterback? Why? Because who? Case? Who? The Bengals. Yeah, no, well, they, no trade they, would, they trade they out. They trade out. You're saying they yeah. trade out, and then that team that trades it up gets a quarterback, is what you're yeah. saying. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I misunderstood. Um, I don't. I don't get what the point of taking a wide receiver at five is if you're not going to be able to protect the quarterback that just shattered his knee in eight different places to get him the football. We talked about the liability last year was the offensive line and it cost them their quarterback second half of the season and possibly the future because those ACLs and those kinds of knees injuries are, you know, they're not as problematic as they used to be, but they could be. And if you don't protect them and if you protect them, it's going to happen again. So yeah, yeah, you got to take Panay Sewell, uh, I think at at that spot. They've been talking about it for the fan base had signs in the stadium last year about Sewell, you know, and I didn't know if he was going to be able to make it the, the fifth pick for them to do that. So that's where I think they need to go. If they feel like they can get Panay, if they back up a couple spots uh, and get a, and, and get a truckload for another team to move into the fifth spot to, to draft a quarterback, by all means, do it. They should that's the draft. The Raiders, with the way the Raiders were giving up offensive linemen. The Raiders aren't going to do that. They just no, don't. It's too late. It's too late, but a couple weeks ago when they had offensive linemen to give, well, I don't think they had offensive line to give. They just kept shuffling them up to more yeah. coil. I don't understand that. I don't understand their process at all through this. But, uh, you know, the 10, 10 million a year uh, or 10-year uh, contract is, uh, yeah. is experiments <laughs> if the, on and rolling. If the Bengals don't jump back. if the Bengals don't jump on Sewell, uh, he might end up falling or the Chargers move up too and they could maybe reunite him with Herbert me. as well. All right, so um, – I've been asked um, a lot of times when I go on these shows to give you give my, my my rankings of how I would draft the quarterbacks this year, and doing my due diligence and, and watching film and, and preparing for for this year's draft. Um, this is my list. Uh, it's pretty simple, uh, pretty straightforward for me. Um, Trevor Lawrence, of course, is is far and away the best quarterback in this year's draft. I feel he's been bred and ready. He was ready for this after he beat Alabama and. His freshman year after the national championship easily would have been the first pick in the NFL draft that time. I got Justin Fields number two. I think he's the second best quarterback in this draft. I think his ability to throw the football in that game against Clemson, against really rare defenses that Brent Venables threw at him, was a showcase of what he's able to do. Uh, he's athletic. He's got great arm. Uh, he'll fit in perfectly with what the NFL offenses are, are, are transitioning to. Um, I got Mac Jones at three, which I think is is a good spot. He easily could have been in a position where he could be the best quarterback in this draft. He was the best quarterback in college football last year, by far. Now he had the great weapons, don't get me wrong, still had to make the throws. ton of his passes close to the line of scrimmage. I think the second closest percentage of passes at the line of scrimmage or behind it since Tua a year ago, and we kind of saw how that played out last year. I got Zach Wilson at number four. I got Davis Mills at number five. Um, and the reason I have him at number five is just because I don't think Trey Lance has enough snaps. Now, hey, Davis Mills doesn't have quite a few snaps either, only 12 starts. But uh, I think the competition level and how he looked in a COVID-shortened season last year down the stretch, I think, gives him the upper hand. I have Trey Lance at six. I got Kellen Mond at seven. Jamie Newman at eight. Kyle Trask at nine. Uh, and then there's kind of a, a two-way or three-way tie at 10 with Sam Ellinger, Ian Book and maybe Felipe Franks. But uh, that's how it all runs together for me in terms of quarterbacks. Um, I like Davis Mills going to New England at number 46. I really do. I think he would be the perfect fit for Josh McDaniels' offense. 
I don't think he'd get a lot of playing time this year. I think they are going to roll with Cam Newton to see how far they can get him with everybody back, the pieces back. And he's such a great leader. But if Davis Mills gets thrown into the mix and gets some time, I, I think he showcases really, really well. And I think that would be a steal for the New England Patriots if they were to get him in the middle of the second round like that. Ryan, when you have your rankings up here, you have, let's just take Trey Lance, for example, at, at six in your rankings of these quarterbacks. If you think about the NFL draft and the the team, the quarterback needy teams, would you place them as is on this list, or do certain players have certain teams that would fit them? Yeah, I'm, this is this is my list. This is my list. It's I, I believe it's going to go Trevor, Zach, Mac. I you know to be honest, I shouldn't say that. I have no idea where they're going at three. I know a quarterback's being drafted, but the more and more I look into it, and the more and more I hear. Uh, from friends close to that organization, one of them is meeting with them today. It could be any of the three. It could be Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones at three. I wouldn't be surprised if, if any of them go at, at number three. So um, it, it's it's unknown. We just know that there's going to be quarterbacks taking one, two, and three. We, we, we do, do know that for sure. Do you think the conversation that we're seeing come around Twitter that Kyle Shanahan wants one guy and, and John Lynch wants the other, do you think that that's legit? Do you think it's a smokescreen? Uh, do you think it's really contentious or they already have their pick? Uh, depending yeah, on what I don't happens. know. Do I don't know that? how that, I don't know how that gets out. Um, these two have a really good relationship, so they're going to be on the same page. They moved with this trade because they were on the same page. They didn't move with this trade because they were not um, seeing eye to eye. And then John Lynch pulls the trigger on this and then goes, well, I want this one. Well, no, I want this one. They they were they were seeing eye to eye when this trade was made. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. Do the Broncos trade up to take a quarterback? You know, they had a chance at Sam Darnold. They felt like it was, you know, it would have been a, a drop down from Drew Locke. It really do. I mean, um, so I think they go in, into the draft and stay where they're at and, and grab themselves a defensive playmaker. Uh, or another wide receiver to help bolster and give tri give Drew Locke another year. I really do. I, I think uh, give the guy another chance. Uh, it's a division that's really tough, uh, you know, with 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 the way the Chargers have improved and, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year. But I think Drew Locke stays there, um, and, uh, and this team tries to figure it out with him because, you know, if they're not good enough, they're most likely going to be towards the bottom again, and they can figure out a way to go after a quarterback. Sure. Sam Howell probably is going to be at the top of the list next year. Uh, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good option if 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 they fall in that direction. So, and then we did a little uh, spotlight uh, a few weeks ago on uh, on Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, and so today I wanted to do one um, relatively quickly here on Trey Lance. And you know, I think most people when they talk about development of the quarterback position, you can really look at uh, three teams over the last decade or so. And that's USC, Oklahoma, and unbelievably, North Dakota State. They produced Carson Wentz and Easton Stick, both draft picks, one a number two overall. Ironically enough, uh, no longer with the team that he was drafted by. Easton Stick is backing up Justin Herbert in Los Angeles. But they've been really good. And this young man may be the best of the bunch, right? Unfortunately, uh, he needs more snaps. He hasn't played much at all, right? Uh, and we haven't seen him play since really 2019. And we saw him play against Central Arkansas last year where it was kind of an up and down performance. If you want to go back and look at his stats, 68% accuracy, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions, everybody. That is unbelievable because I, 
you know, I had a great year uh, in 97 and I threw 11 picks. I mean, the ball gets tipped, something happens. He's just been really, he's taking care of the football. He's fearless, but not reckless. And that's a great um, definition of somebody. Uh, some of his uh, cons, you know, the competition level. This game you're looking at right now against Nickel State. Uh, they would have played Oregon last year. He would have gone up against a power five defense. We would have seen what that looks like, how he handled himself. Um, lack of big game competition bothers some. I'm one of them. It bothers me a little bit. Uh, one of the technical things, when he throws to his left, like most quarterbacks, we fall off the mound and the ball gets away from him. Uh, that can be corrected very, very easily. Some of his pros, I look at, I look at you know, some main, main things when it comes to quarterback play. Poise. Um, in that he never looks rattled, no matter how big the moment is. And he's played in national championships and the, they've dominated the FCS at North Dakota State. Um, when things speed up, he looks he looks great. Decision-making, don't always get caught up in the percentage, 68%. I think the litmus test now is more around 70%. Do you get there? Hey, he throws with anticipation uh, and he's accurate. And at the NFL level, being able to get to the ball, to the wide receiver early, letting them run with the football, that's a difference-making quarterback. It really is. Um, how does he hold up in big moments, right? Um, you know, is he is he conservative, having not thrown, you know, any interceptions? He's selective. He's selectively aggressive. He'll let it rip into tight quarters, and he gets to his third read. When you see a running quarterback who has 1,100 yards rushing, you think, okay, he's, you know, he goes through his first read. If it's not there, he takes off and runs. No, he goes through his reads, and if the, if running the football is the last resort, he does it. A lot of his big runs were called runs for him as a player. So my best comp for him uh, is Andrew Luck. His size is a little smaller. He's not going to be as great at his high, but he's extremely mature, leader, big physical. He'll run you over. He'll sit in the pocket and fire it around. Uh, he takes care of the football. He's a great leader. And another comp for me is Jalen Hurts. Um, those are the two I have for them. Fearless, not reckless, not a high, not as high a grade as Andrew Luck, but he could definitely get there if he develops. I expect him to go to a team that doesn't ask him to play right away. Are you worried, Ryan? And and you mentioned, you know, go they had there was an opportunity before coronavirus to go against Oregon, power five defense, front seven with guys all over the field that are going to be at the next level. Trey Lance is kind of small. Uh, and I don't mean like his size, I mean his stature, like his gait. Is pretty small, and for a guy coming out of the FCS, still D1 football, still against big boys on the defensive side, you know, as a dual threat quarterback who you expect to keep the ball, you know, I'm I'm curious about the toughness, right? Because he hasn't played against the majority of guys that he's going to have to play against in the NFL, and if he breaks out on a zone read for a keeper, if he, you know, a broken play pocket collapses and he's running out uh, around the corner. I'm worried that his size uh, is going to make it difficult for him to take big hits and it could have uh, it's, it's difficult for everybody. I mean, Dak Prescott got pulled down in a, just a random play outside the pocket where he snapped his leg in half, right? These guys are amazing. So you just got to figure out a way to not put yourself in harm's way when you do carry the ball and get out there. Cause any 32 of the quarterbacks that are out there, if they get out and are, and are, are moving their liability because they, the guys are just so much bigger, faster, and stronger. They'll rip your ass to the ground and break bones. And you'll be stuck on the couch watching football, having to eat bland food. But 
a good way to not make it bland is to get some bomb banana hot sauce, people, right? That's the way to do it. I want to see this. Oh, yeah, there you go. Shake them out, shake them out, shake them, all right? Uh, this, this company was developed this year. Uh, it's made from fresh bananas. It's made from bananas, not some banana-flavored hot sauce. Delivers exceptional and robust chili spice to any and all meals. I've used it on a lot of my Sunfair stuff, and, boy, it, it really makes it makes it go. There's two bottles, one with the white white logo, a little less spicy with the red, of course, spicier. Um, personally, I'm more of a original guy, but you can't go wrong with either. My favorite thing is to put bomb banana on all the food uh, from Sunfair. The website is seekthespice.com. That's seekthespice.com, all one word. And today you can receive 10% off your first order by using the promo code LEAF. That's L-E-A-F, like on a tree. At check at checkout, bomb banana hot sauce, absolutely fantastic, and beyond excited to have the opportunity to work with this new and emerging sauce. Does it say "leaf like a tree" on the live range, or did you add that in yourself? I always add that because I just okay. people just you know they'll they'll, they'll they'll spell it out L E I F for whatever reason. So I always L-E-I-F. tell them oh it God, happened. Here. It happened when I was happened when I started ordering pizzas. Right when I would you know I'd say "leaf on a tree," and and uh, they still don't get it. Yeah. They don't hear that part for some reason. They're like, what? Huh? <laughs> Are you Scandinavian? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Viking. All right. Um, I didn't have an open today because this was going to be, I knew I was going to be hungry, ravenous. Um, but two months ago was when we heard the, the horrifying news about um, our brother, Vincent Jackson, who passed away alone in a hotel room in Tampa Bay. And, um, and I, I, I had 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 enough and I had, I'd made a video and uh, it was I was emotional and, and I was probably hyperbolic and, and I blamed I wasn't blaming. I was just calling to task the NFL and the NFLP and their lack of accountability or empathy uh, or humanity around losing a 38 year old man, family man who was a great player for their organization, as well as a philanthropist. And I wanted to see the response. Now, somebody from the NFLPA reached out pretty quickly, and we set up a, a call. Uh, I unfortunately had to, to um, postpone because I had something going on with my kids, so I asked if we could move it to Friday. I hadn't heard anything uh, in, in response back from the NFLPA. So I sent a text to him yesterday on my hike that said, hey, you know, you guys are, you guys are, you know, you continue, continue to show us exactly who you are by how you behave uh, and your frauds. Now, the NFL has never even reached out. Uh, you know, I've worked closely with the NFL Legends program and Tracy Perlman and, and Troy Vincent over the last three years. And boy, they just, they, they're showing everybody who they are. They are absolute frauds. They are not, they're a propaganda machine, period. And my response back uh, to the NFLPA yesterday was, hey, don't placate us. We know who you are. We're going to do this on our own. And sure enough, in the world of recovery, you know, a higher power reaches out. The NFL Hall of Fame, which is a third party, essentially, has started uh, a program called the Hall of Fame um, Behavioral Health Facility. Okay. And. It's run by former players. Um, it's um, 
going to be set up in Canton, Ohio for now and hopefully other places around the country. Uh, I'm hoping I can be um, a, a part of this program uh, to lead the way. And it's going to take us because the NFLPA, they don't care about anything except making more money. Uh, and of course, we know what the NFL is about. Um, they are selfish. And um, all they care about is the bottom line. I get it. I get it. You know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, fool you once, shame on me, fool you twice, however that goes. You know, I'm the fool here. I kept expecting somebody who's shown us who they are for a lengthy period of time to step up and do the right thing. Uh, and all the shit they can talk, Tracy Perlman and Troy Vincent and, and, and the NFL legends and, and whatever you want to call it, um, it's a propaganda machine. It is. And they're really good at it. They're a $9 and $10 billion a year industry that is really good at making people believe that, you know, there, there's some wholesome empathy behind it. But we continue to lose brothers and sisters, uh, family members of former players, everything. And this facility is uh, is going to be a third party one that players are going to be able to be proactive around it. And just grateful uh, for getting that phone call yesterday. What a way for it to, to come full circle. Um, and, uh, of course, the NFL and the NFLPA are going to hand their hands in it. Uh, because there's so much money there. Um, and we'll use their ass just like they used ours uh, to help every and all former players and their families who continue to struggle. So there are no longer moments and events that happen like they did two months ago where we lose a brother in a hotel room all by himself because they would not act. Because it doesn't, it, it doesn't behoove them. If you're not making money for them anymore, if you're bad for the brand, and I get it, there's got to be a, a huge disconnect between trying to tell people that you're going to help these people when you know damn well good that the sport that you are, you are uh, marketing and putting forward causes brain damage. I believe I live with CTE. Luckily for me, my transgressions have caused me to take a really fine look at it, but doesn't mean I don't live with it every single day. Impulsive, anger, all the things that come with it, all the symptoms we've seen from players in that league who have died, who have taken their own life because no one was willing to look at it or admit that there was an issue. Hey, because I know this exists, doesn't mean I wouldn't have played football. It may stop me from having my son play football, but it wouldn't have stopped me. Football gave me everything. And if you knew about it, then shame on you. But I also don't want anything from you. I just want you to be accountable and do the right thing. And as you continue to show that you cannot do that, we're going to do this on our own. And thank thankfully, the Pro Football Hall of Fame stepped up as almost Switzerland in all of this. Uh, no real attachment to the NFLPA or uh, the NFL, but a behavioral health facility available to players only, something I was asking for when I implored the NFL and the NFLPA to act. We'll hear more about it and we'll continue to promote it here on the show because it's gonna be a big part of my life uh, for the foreseeable future. So uh, that'll do it. Um, I'm gonna go get anally probed. You guys do what you will, act accordingly. We'll see you Friday, everybody. Thanks for watching the RDL show. We'll see you soon.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.